Hey everybody, how's it going? Chris Reeder here. Steve Taylor on this end from B3. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking setting up your business, all right? Now, these questions came in from uh, a listener, Jimmy Doherty with French Lake Fab Shop out in New Brunswick, and he is just getting everything set up. So he, he's been doing some pretty good work, but a lot of the stuff that he's starting to do now is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. For example, he had a gentleman come in about, I'd say a week ago now when him and I were talking, and he wanted Jimmy to sit there and replace a shit ton of rotted out frame rail in a dump truck, as well as on the actual box side of this. Now, Jimmy, he's like a lot of you guys. He's just starting off. He doesn't have a full-size shop and a lot of the big heavy equipment that you would need for safety, i.e. either an overhead crane, an A-frame, or a rather large um, forklift to help support the, um, the box when it's in the upright position while he's working on it underneath. Because I don't know about a lot of you guys, but personally, I make it standard operating procedure where there is two banks of security between me and the frame rail of that truck, especially if I'm hunched over the frame. I don't want that thing coming down because that's just going to make two of me. And for a lot of people, <laughs> one of me is enough. So, <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Sa safety first. Always safety has got to be your number one priority. Don't be stupid and not come home at the end of the day if you can help it. Exactly. Um, so the questions he, he fired off to me were a lot of basic setup stuff. All right, because he wants to start taking on these bigger jobs and going from there. Okay. So, um, yeah, I think there's three or four questions in here. The second one just leads into about six other questions. So I'm just gonna re we'll start at the top, and as they come up, we'll just go. Now, some of these questions, I think we should get somebody else on who knows specifically how to properly answer them and why. I.e., yeah. um, how do you go about setting up your business at in name either sole proprietor a business llc limited inc so on and so forth like that um and then go from there how's that sound yeah let, let the people that are experts on on that stuff talk about that for sure i don't want to steer them wrong yeah okay cool so first up uh how would you quote this job price-wise um, oh, hold on a second. I'm gonna have to edit that one out. Uh, I initially mentioned <laughs> to the club. Actually, no. Let's let, let's run with it. Um. All right. So he what what he did was he sat there and he just quickly glanced at the the job. He didn't have time to crawl underneath it or cr lift the box up and see what was going on. And so what he did was he just quickly off the cuff quoted him twenty five hundred bucks. Now a lot of these here. You, like you, you would have to cut out at least half of the main cross members, the main running, the main rails on the box side. You'd have to cut out completely. Uh, there, there's a lot of work in here. And, yeah, for sure. And um, actually, can I fire these off to you real quick so you can see what I'm? Oh, talking. you got pictures? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. There. They're they're inbound right now. Cool. So you can see what we're talking about here. Yeah. So he did take this job on them. No, he did not. Oh, okay. No. This is just what he, he was looking at doing it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
So as you can see, there is like a shit ton of work that needs to be done. And this being the like he like I said, he's in New Brunswick, so everything is just getting the shit kicked out of it for about nine months out of the years from with salt and road brine and all that other fun stuff. And so chances are one if he took this on and started cutting it open, he would have to sit there and just start doing box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I personally like because he's working out of his driveway right now. Uh, his the welder that he has it's a it's a Lincoln. I'm not holding it against them, but he does have a Lincoln. But it, I I'm pretty sure it has enough juice to get the get the job done. I think it's the equivalent to Miller's two fifty two. So it, it'd be working hard, but I think he could pull it off. Okay. But the thing is, is like I mentioned, he's working in his driveway, so he doesn't have a forklift. He doesn't have an, a large A-frame to support the box. He doesn't have yeah. the, I don't know what they're called. I've only ever seen them once, and I'm pretty sure the shop made them themselves. But it's like a, a wedge that you put in between the frame and the box. So and, oh, then, yeah. and then you chain the wedge to the back of the frame. So the weight of the box holds it in place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've never seen that. Yeah, that was at uh, Raglan, just outside of uh, Oshawa. They had yep. them. But anyway, so I, I personally told them, like, listen, man, don't do it. I don't know what you have for safety stuff. Like I keep saying, I wouldn't do it. I and agree. I, and I gave him a list of other things. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't do it either. Yeah. And then, I don't like rust. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like anything if it's not racing. <laughs> well, some things. <laughs> okay. In the shop, you don't like anything if it's not racing. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, and on top of that, afterwards, once I told him my pit, my side of the house, he's like, okay, you and my wife are saying the same thing. I'm going to trust you and go from there because he's got yep. two kids. He's newly married. And yeah. Good. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, for that, there, offer what I like to do if I'm just looking at something and someone's just like, oh, like, you know, how, how much do you think this is going to be? I, the first words out of my mouth, I don't know about you, but the first words out of my mouth are always, this is the high side. This is if everything goes wrong. And what I do is I, I literally just shoot for something that is just like literally if everything did go wrong. So for something like that, I would tell them like, listen, if I take this on and everything goes wrong, you need to be comfortable with at least six to eight grand. And that 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 would include... All new rails, all new box, or not box, but like uh, new rails, new cross members, all that good stuff. Because mm-hmm. right then and there, I find if I could sit there, I throw that number out there, and they're like, oh, okay, all right. Um, and they're okay with it, then it's like right, right there, it, it it weeds out like at least three quarters of the field of people who would be like, oh, well, you know, one thing and the other. Because if they're going to start complaining right then and there and you explain to them, you know, these are the obstacles that I might have to overcome and they're not okay with it. Well then just walk away from the job. Just be like, listen, I can't take it on then. That That's what I do. What yeah. about you? I'm going to, I'm going to spit out a line that uh, Tim Rogers told me when I started out in business and it's stuck with me ever since. So shout out to Tim. Uh, you don't want every customer. You want the right customers. So 
you can't take on every job. There's no way. Even some jobs you're not even going to want or some jobs you really want, but it's just not feasible at that time. It's not going to line up. You can't take it. And let's face it. If you're in customer service, there are shitty customers and you don't need them. So you don't want to deal with them if that's what's going to be brought into your life. I don't know if this was a shitty customer or not, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta pick and choose, um, and try and be smart and, uh, I don't know, like coordinated on where you really want it to go. Are you trying to get into restoring rusted out dump trucks or are you trying to build car trailers and sell them? It's, kind of focus on the market that you really want to and build your brand in that market i would say yeah i i I think it's safe to say he's just looking at gaining like just gaining a reputation more than yeah right the the right customer base because he's still full-time military okay so he he can't sit there and be like oh well well i guess he could sit there and say no like i i only want this type of work yeah, because he's got a day job. Otherwise, that even even still, it's and it comes down to this: the law of attraction. If you are willing to take on any type of work, then you're going to constantly receive any type of work. If you're solely searching the internet for guys that are into drift cars and into drag cars and into off-road cars, and or you're strictly searching for uh, mining companies and landscape companies and you want to get into like bucket repairs and dump trucks and grader blades and stuff like you can pick that market that interests you and fulfills your desires in the marketplace for the service you want to offer so you're happy at the end of the day because let's face it i'm sure you've been there i've been there where you take on a job because you have to pay the bills and you hate every second of the job because it's not your style or it's not what you want. And then you feel burned out and bummed out at the end of the day, like you didn't accomplish anything and it sets you back. And it's kind of like, this isn't my dream. This isn't what I wanted to build, but I did it and it, I didn't enjoy it. And then you kind of tell yourself you need to focus on the things you do enjoy because life's short and you got to enjoy what you're doing. Exactly. 100%. Yeah, no, that that's that's exactly where yeah. I'm at right now with my with veteran welding. Like I, I have a couple customers. It's hard. Oh fuck yeah, because it's just like well fuck if I go after only like jeeps and buggies and stuff like that. Well, I'm pretty much gonna starve until I can get that clientele built up. In the meantime, I need something to fill the void. So what I do, so I'm I'm getting money coming in the door, but. I have, I'm still working towards my dreams is I sit there and I have, I call them unicorn clients because they, they just sit okay. there and they, so one of them is West country pump and filtration. Uh, I'll throw them out there because I can't say enough good things about them. They'll sit there and they'll literally say, here's the problem. Here's, you know, whatever safety restrictions that, you know, the government has for whatever product. So let's say, yeah. Uh, actually, you know what? Let's. I, I got an example. So last time I was in there, um, we were talking, and one of their sales guys came in, 
and we were chinwagging going back and forth and apparently it's either the federal government or the government of alberta they put out this rule where um those you know those hot sea um natural gas pressure washers yep they uh those have to be mounted a minimum of four feet off the floor i don't know why and okay s- and so we're talking in that one thing and the other and they're about 600 pounds and i was talking to Sonny, and i'm like well, I can build you something for this. And he's like, well, yeah, but we don't want anything with posts and one thing or the other. And automatically my mind just went to those, not, not the same thing, but similar to the, uh, the, the welder wall mounts that I'm building there for the shop. Something, yep, yep. So, something like that, but on a much larger, much more industrial scale where you're definitely going to have to run bolts through the wall to have a backing plate and all that other good stuff. And he just sat there and he's just like, run with it design it i just want my logo on it i don't care about anything else as long as it's safe and it's just like okay cool and when he puts in orders like i tell him like this is the minimum and he has never once ordered less than the minimum requirement for my order and Mm -hmm. when he pays it's cash well not cash but like it's he pays every single time up front yeah and it's great because it's just like perfect i can sit there i have the jigs all set up I can just throw the parts in, weld them out, get them out the door. They're fast, they're easy, and they're re- every month they're repeatable. They're they're it's they're gravy jobs, which is something like I, like uh, I think I might be speaking out of line, but from the outside looking in, once again looking at TMR, they have things like their their uh poly or not poly bushings. Well, yeah, poly bushings. They're Himes. Um, they, they have their bread and butter items that they sell day after day after day after day, which they just pump out like crazy, which helps. Yeah, for sure. And, and you need something like that. And I have another customer that just came on and she's the same way. She pays yep. everything, the whole order up front. I'm like, okay, I need 40% deposit. And she's like, okay, you know what? Here's a hundred. And it's just like, yeah, but that's not really going against your goals per se. Like I would say you're still going towards your goals because you you want like you've always mentioned the, the jeeps and the off-road stuff and that's custom fabricated items so it's not like your bread and butter job is taking on a rusted dump truck box every week because there's lots of them that need to be repaired mm-hmm. your gravy job is you custom designed a bracket to solve a problem and manufactured it and that's what you want to do, but with vehicles. So you're still doing it. It's just not a vehicle item. So I would still say that that's good. And that is the the goal and the direction that you planned. I don't see you constantly bringing in rust repair jobs if that's not what you enjoy doing. But if it is what you enjoy doing, then by all means, take on all the rusty repairs. Exactly. Like, like it, essentially what you just got to find something that you enjoy. And yeah, because It'll get to a point where it's just like, fuck, like I got to do whatever the job is again. Yep, but exactly. The, the, the thing is, is if you can get systems in place, this is once again, me talking personally, if I can get systems in place where I can make it as repetitive as possible so I can literally throw on a set of earbuds, listen to a podcast, listen to some music and still pump out the same quality day after day after day, then yep. you're, you're laughing all the way to the bank because it'll just be a matter of time before you can sit there your body's doing the work, but your mind is like, okay, like working through another problem. Kind of like when you're, you're, you're driving and yes, even though you're driving a vehicle at a hundred kilometers an hour down the road, 
if you have a passenger in the vehicle, you could be talking about how you're going to refinance your home or how you're going to start your next business or whatever. Like, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Your conscious mind is elsewhere planning and daydreaming while your body's getting the task done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that I do that all day. <laughs> <laughs> what do I want to do tomorrow? <laughs> <Yeah>. <clears throat> okay. So that was, that, that, that was that there. Um, Next yeah. part, uh, carrying on, just reading the text just straight out loud. Um, it doesn't need a lot of metal, but it'll need lots of welding and fabricating. I give myself about a month uh, working evenings and weekends doing it. So right then and there, that tells me that the cust- customer is willing to work with him so he can get this done. And if I'm not mistaken, Jimmy has done some uh, uh, aluminum work for him last year around this time. And the customer was cool. awesome because Jimmy flat out said, he's like, I don't know how to weld aluminum. And the customer is like, so learn. This is the perfect time to learn. And it was, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was an aluminum exhaust bracket for another dump truck. Cool. So, yeah. Uh, as I cannot get the trailer in my shop, I'll be doing it in the driveway in front of, in front of the shop. So weather and light will be issues uh, that, I'll, that I'll need to take into consideration. I won't be starting until mid-April. And that's about it regarding the box. Um, yeah. Now, there was another part of this. I probably just have to go back up further in the text. Was that last a few days ago? Okay, here we go. All right. So these are the questions regarding specifically setting up the business. Uh, once again, it's the same guy. Uh I told him, like we were talking back and forth about the podcast, and I told him if you have any questions, feel free to ask. So uh, his response, I do actually. If you could explain the, pr- the procedure that one needs to go through to start their own business, i.e. registering your business name, getting a business number, figuring out how much business insurance you are going to need, applying for a business loan and or grant, buying equipment, new versus used, what equipment you need and what is nice to have but can wait. Finally, how do you figure out your business line, i.e. mining and ad- mining, agricultural, gas and oil, motorsports, etc., and how to go about market research to figure out how much work there is for that line of work? So. Well, yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> um, so I, th- yeah, I remember talking about some of this stuff. Yeah. So let's just run down from the top. Um, if you could explain the procedure that one needs to go through to start your own business, i.e., i.e., registering your business name, getting a business li- uh, number, and something else that should should be in there but isn't, but something else that should be in there but is not, is getting a business license because that's something else you guys need to keep in mind as well. Because um, sometimes you need a business license, sometimes you don't. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, so registering your business, uh, do you want? take point on this one sure yeah yeah the way i did it in ontario is you basically just google register a business and it takes your government web page and it's like 60 bucks or 100 bucks or something and you just type in the name you want and if no one's using it it says that it's available just like getting a license plate and then you pay your money and you get a little printout that says here's your business name and registration or whatever they want to call that 
it's pretty simple really like that only takes a couple minutes yeah yeah out, out here it's pretty much the same thing as far as i know you cannot do it online though you have to go into an actual registry's office and uh, the way i did it i walked in i told them i want veteran welding they're like okay veterans welding is available i'm like nope veteran and that seems to be a running theme everybody thinks i'm saying veterans welding i don't know why but anyway you, you got to make sure that what you're telling them is what they're putting in so yeah uh veteran welding was still available so i got like same thing i paid my fee after they did a search for the name i now own veteran welding uh, I have to pay a fee every year to make sure that that name stays under my ownership. Uh, it's not a hell of a lot of things like 55 bucks or something like that. It's pigeon shit. Um, but then also something they did was they're like, okay, now you have to divvy up your shares. Who owns what? Am I the sole, sole owner? Is, am it, is it a partnership? Is it like a co-op that owns it? So starting off, it was just me. So I had a hundred percent of the shares. And then after that, my wife came on just to make things easier uh, for everything in a nutshell. And we went 50-50. We had to go back, pay that $55 again, and just to divvy up the shares. And then that's that was that. That was the whole thing. Um, uh, getting my business number. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I got it at the same time. So. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's talking about his business number for like, you know, this is the number you're registered with, with CRA, or if he's talking about his tax number, because there's, they're two different ones. Oh, okay. But I don't know. Yeah. This isn't my expertise area. I can talk about tools though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So th th this is one of those things where I think we'll get somebody on who knows, who can get down and dirty into that and explain why they would want to do that. Um, also, something else here is I have my company. It is uh, Veteran Welding Company Limited, LTD. As far as I know, when you're setting up a company, you have to choose between Limited, Incorporated, or LLC, which I can't remember what it stands for, or goals, or Go Sole Proprietorship. The only thing I want to talk about is the difference between the first three and Sole Proprietorship because... My understanding is if if I'm doing something or if Veteran Welding is building whatever, if they're building anything and somebody gets hurt, the end consumer can come back and take out Veteran Welding if they're an LLC or incorporated or anything like that. But if, it, if it's sole proprietor, they can actually come back to Chris Reader and Sarah reader and take her home, take everything out from underneath us. So having that, those three letters at the end of your company, LTD, LLC limited will stop or greatly hinder somebody coming after your company and you personally. That's that, that's how I was, it was explained to me. Once again, we'll get somebody on here who can explain more in depth on how that works. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. How do you have your setup? Are you LLC, sole proprietor? Sole proprietor. Okay. I was told <clears throat> until I make enough money to justify the cost of LLC or what have you, because then you have different taxes. You don't, you get a T4 or something instead of a T1 or it, it all changes once it's a corporation like that. And the accountant didn't want to go through with that at that point in time. So I took that advice and ran with it. 
Yeah, that, that was the other thing too. I forgot about that. Uh, if you're making over 30, 30 grand in Alberta, then you have to go from sell, um, sole proprietor to, excuse me, to one of the other ones. Good to go. Keep moving forward. Cool. Yep. All right. So next part. Um, oh, and getting a business license. I'll just talk, touch on that real quick. Uh, if you are working out of a, once again, this is for Alberta and this is me speaking from experience. Um, if I am mobile, I do not need a business license for the town that I live in and that I am based out of. So, uh, a lot of welding rig guys like mobile welders, their business address is their home, but they don't need a business license for the, for where they live. Because essentially you're just storing your vehicle there and then you drive out of town to go do whatever business. And so that's that. However, if you have a brick and mortar building where customers can come to you, you need a business license for the town that you're in. So once again, that's how it was yeah. explained to me. Yeah. Um, all right. Figuring out how much business insurance you need. You're uh, ask your insurance broker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. The, um, I don't want to touch on that either. Yeah. Honestly, look look at when you're talking to your insurance broker, they'll have an idea of what you need. Uh, I know me personally. I carry or correction. Veteran Welding carries two million in liability, twenty four seven. If anything happens, um, but also if you're bidding on larger jobs, like let's say you're putting in hand railing at the local park and the the town who is you know putting out the business tenders will say listen you need to have minimum five million liability well you can call your insurance company say listen for this job here i need more coverage and you can adjust it on the fly and then go from there that's cool. something cool. that i was told but when we get somebody in who knows a little bit more on that we can go from there um Applying for business loan and or grants. I I never did either, so I'm not sure. Pay cash. <laughs> Pay cash, yeah. Like, Buy what you can afford when you can afford it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And and don't keep it simple. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to get creative either, because I, I've heard yeah I've heard of guys sitting there and they're like. That customer, a repeat customer would come up to them and be like, listen, I want you to do whatever work this is. And the guy being like, listen, I can, I can do the work, but I don't have the equipment to do it. I would need, you know, a dynasty 800 just for conversation sake. And, uh, yep. the, the guy said, okay, well, if I pay the whole job up front, will that cover it? He's like, yep. And the guy sat there and covered it. And yep. Like, like, don't be afraid to think outside the box. I can't, I can't, sure. I, I, I heard that from one of the guests on the welding tips and tricks podcast. It was in their like first season. And, okay. um, I wish I can remember the guy's name, but it's, it was really interesting because a lot of times me, well, correction, let me rephrase that. I've had times where I've given customers quotes and stuff like that. And they've looked at me straight in the face and just been like, okay, you're doing the work. I like the quote, but I'm not paying this. 
you're I'm going to pay this. And they came back with like a couple hundred dollars more. And it's just like, okay. All right. Well, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) That's a nice tip. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had that quite a bit. My first year of business sitting there and it's just like, Oh, you know, this is what I'm going to do. And they're just like, no, no. Cause if you do that, you're going to get eaten alive in the industry. So. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot to learn, but you learn it as you go. Like you said, like it's nice. You can learn a lot from asking questions and podcasts, but your everyday grind, you're going to learn a lot of information, but it's good. It happens at the right pace. Usually. Yeah. Oh, actually, you know what? This, this just reminds me of a conversation you and I had about a week ago regarding a plasma table. Oh yeah. So, so the guy who does all my cutting, he's moving to Texas just to bring everybody up to speed. He's moving stateside. So I'm kind of going to be pooched for a while until I find somebody that can actually do it for me out here. Um, So for a while there, I was contemplating bringing like buying a, a plasma table so I can do it. And Steve, or you, you gave me a really good couple, actually a lot of good advice on this. And it was like, well, what do you want to be known for? Do you want to be known for cutting parts or do you want to be known for welding and fabricating? And then you. Yeah. It's the same as what I was talking about earlier. Your, yep. your brand, do you want to be rust repair or custom design and new fabricating? Like you got to pick all these things. Yeah. And then the, yeah. the other thing is too, that really stuck with me was what does that table have to do to pay for itself? And I've, yeah. after you said that, I, I was like chewing on it for a couple of days. And I remember hearing guys talking about that when I first got in, um, I was working for a shop out of Peterborough, Ontario, and I forget what they were, I forget what piece of equipment they got, but they're like, listen, if you're, if you buy a piece of equipment, whether it's a lathe or a mill or a bandsaw or a brake or a plasma table, doesn't matter what it is, it needs to, whatever the monthly, if you're, if you're not buying it flat out, whatever the monthly um, payment is, you should be making that at least every week off of the equipment. So it's paying for itself. And then at the end of however long the term is for your, for buying it out at that point, you should be able to do one of two things, either depending on how big the equipment is. So like if you're buying like a, a high, a high def, plasma table you can be looking at like $250,000 easy but at the end of that it's just okay well let's say that's over 10 years at 10 years that table's now obsolete so you need to th- essentially throw it in the dumpster and get a new one or spend another significant amount of ch- change upgrading it so it's it can keep up with other tables cuz after 10 years you're you're essentially running on on like dinosaur tech yeah, see, I, I wouldn't do it that uh, that way at all. I would, if you got to spend two hundred and fifty k, and you're expecting to pay that off over ten years, that that return on investments, to me, no good. I would rather outsource at that point. I would find it, figure out what the shipping costs and how much you have to mark things up to still make money on it, or get a, a cheaper table. What, do you need high def, or is that only one job a year? where it's super accurate and could you farm that out and get away with a $15,000 table? Yeah. Cause like I, I, I really want to get a table. Like I, like I'm really yep. chomping at the bit because like you, I'm a one man shop, but I hate, I hate 
only doing one thing at a time. Like I, I, I love concurrent activity. So being able to sit yep. there and cut things out while I'm fitting up or doing whatever, even if it's just cleaning the shop, something, it would be great. And that, mm-hmm. and that's, that, that's the other thing you got to look at too, I guess, is, is this, uh, th- there's a term for this and I can't remember what it's called, but, um, if you're buying automated equipment, can it run for you 24 hours a day? Can you have it set up so it runs hours and hours and hours on end making the same repeat part or cutting out, you know, sheet after sheet after sheet of whatever? Because then it's it's an, I'm not trying to be rude, but it's an employee that doesn't complain. So. Yeah, but that only makes sense in a production atmosphere. You're We're talking custom shops. Nothing is automated at that point yeah 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 i'm just saying oh just in general yeah 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 like i know for for me what what ideally what i would like to get my hands on is like max four by eight uh plasma table it doesn't have to be downdraft or water table or nothing like that with like a 65 amp hypertherm uh cutter on it this way i don't this way i can just design like small parts here and there walk away and do whatever like a lot of my like a lot of the repeat stuff that i'll do that i'm doing like the um like a lot of west country's work I far- i'll farm that out because i know i cannot justify the cost of that machine to cut it out and if i was to do it on a normal plasma table i couldn't get the quality anyway so so then if you're wanting to buy a plasma table if you're only farming out a couple items here and there for cutting why why would once you buy it why would you use it every day if you don't need one every day now oh that, to justify it oh well that's just like it to, that, to this is the th- this is just a nice to have like oh, okay yeah that that's that's it because honestly like so so i brought uh my the, the axles for uh a, Sorry. I brought the one ton axles that I have sitting out back into the shop. Cause in my downtime, I'm starting to rebuild them and put them back together. Like I, ju- I literally just brought them in last night and just knocked the dust cool. off of one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it'd just be like for like little things like, uh, when boxing the frame, you know, instead of having to sit there and hand cut the frame, the plate sitting there and just put it on the table, the body mounts, all that fun stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. That, that's all I'd use it for, but yeah, at the end of the day, the way it is right now until it, that perfect deal comes along where it's just like, <laughs> somebody's like, this table's a piece of shit. It doesn't work at all. And meanwhile, they don't see that it's unplugged from the wall and they want to give it away for a song and a dance. And they'll be like, all right, fine. I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But until that, that happens, I'm not gonna, not gonna move forward on it. Yeah, so, but okay. Um, that's a, that's a big investment. Yeah, new versus used. How how do you used. how do you go about choosing your equipment? I'm good at fixing stuff, and I don't like spending a lot of money on things that don't bring me fun. I know I'm here for a short time, and I want to have a good freaking time while I'm here. So my race car 
gets the best of the best whenever I can afford it. My tools, I buy whatever I know I can fix and it will do the job as much as I need it. Like a lot of guys will sit there and say, well, you got to have the best, uh, the best lathe, let's say. Well, I might run my lathe once every month or two months or three months and I'm just end facing something or turning it down 40 thou or running a rag on it to clean it off like polish it or something I'm not mass producing parts to a 3 thou tolerance on a daily so I can't justify dropping $5,000 on a nice lathe when this $800 lathe will spin that part just as good as the $5,000 ladle spin. And yeah, it's not going to be perfect tolerance 3,000 every 10 parts, but it does in the off-road scene of what I work on and the custom stuff I fabricate, it's a good enough tolerance and it was cheap enough to justify buying it. Yeah, uh, I agree. I that That's a lesson I learned the hard way. Like when I, so we, we sat there and, when we went from being in our car hall or trailer to being in like an actual brick and mortar building, our old shop, uh, yep. we got a loan and I kind of got a little, a little too excited when excited? I went, out. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> plain and simple. So the little boy came out. Oh yeah. Yeah. Toys. Yeah. Shiny. This is so shiny. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so I sat there and I immediately just went out for, I want new, I have the money I have correction. I have been loaned the money. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to buy brand new. And the thing was yep. I went out and one of the first things I got was a nice new mill, which I still got. And then a 14 by 40, um, modern lathe. So, and the, the mills are modern as well the lathe was in the shop for about eight days. And then it was like, okay, you can take this piece of shit back because you turn it on. <laughs> oh man, that thing was a nightmare. You literally, you turn it on. And if you turn it on in any other gear other than like below the motor would fry it, it would <laughs> you'd just sit there and just poof, a puff of smoke would come out of it. And uh-huh. had that happen. And then the, I, I can't remember what it's, the, what the bar is called. But as soon as you turn it on, uh, it's like uh, usually like a, a hexagonal bar that runs the length of the lathe. And if you put it on auto feed, that's what it rides along. Oh, yeah. yeah. That there uh, on the one side, like I tried to use it and it just spit out all the ball bearings again. And it's just like, what the fuck? Like, did you guys not inspect this before it came out of the shop? Anyway, <laughs> I, I, to- I told him flat out. I'm like, listen, if you can't get this to, fit, to, to run right, get it off my floor. And they're like, okay, we'll come get it. It's like, what? Okay, all right, whatever. So, like, so I bought those two two things brand new. Should have got an iron worker, a used one. Um, then after that, I got got a got the big bandsaw that I have, which I love. Um, got it used. Yeah, that's a good tool. Yeah, it actually actually it's the exact same one. Once again, shout out to Tim Rogers at TMR Customs. It's the same. Uh, <laughs> Same bandsaw that he has. It's the Hydemech S20. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think he. Ha- I think his is automated though, and mine's manual. Yeah. But anyway, phenomenal machines. 
got that thing for a song and a dance because the company that I was buying it from, they were going under. So they're just like, we just take it, just take it. It's like, all right. Oh, um, good deal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is like, I, as soon as I started getting all these things, it's like, yes, this is awesome. Shit. Now I got to pay for it. So and double shit. I don't need them every day. They're just sitting here taking up space. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's when you're like, fuck, why'd I buy this? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's me how I know. Yeah. How do you know, Steve? <laughs> you know, you know, the biggest thing you learn as an entrepreneur, how to fail and accept it oh, and yeah. move the fuck forward. Oh, I didn't need to buy that. Fuck. I'm out five grand. Well, I'll make it back next year. Yeah. We'll move on. <laughs> yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. So what, what, what I like to do is I like to sit there and try and go 50, 50. Like when I got my welders, the power source for my MIG used, but the wire feeder is brand new. Uh, my TIG welder, the, the TIG itself, brand new, but the cooler was used, which I got to go get repaired again because the pump ain't pumping coolant. So, but whatever. It's it's a, like a $100 fix. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving forward. I always look at it like if the, if the welder turns on and I can lay a bead, I don't care what it looks like. It does its job. So yeah, it's 200 bucks. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually that, that's one thing that I did is, uh, it's a 200, it's my, it's a dynasty 210, but the torch okay. is rated to 250. So I can sit there and run it at 210 and not have to worry about the torch melting within like 10 minutes. That's sweet. So, yeah. Um, so we talked about new versus use, uh, nice to have, but can wait. Uh, and now the last question that he has, or second last question is, uh, how do you figure out your business line? I.e., uh, I think what he means by that is like business uh, area of business. So like you do like Jeeps and custom off-road fab. I do a little bit of that, but production work, uh, oil and gas, so on and so forth like that. So how do you how do you pick we, your industry? I think we... I think we kind of talked about that with like what drives you, what interests you, where, where do you want to be? Pick that. Like you're not going to want to wake up and do oil and gas every day if you fucking hate oil and gas. So don't pick that. <laughs> That's exactly why I don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Like if you like custom stuff and you like designing and fabricating on new materials and get into that, if you like repairing equipment and rust, well then get into that. Yeah. Whatever you're kind of feeling like. All right. I think. Um, and the second, the second part to that question was how do you do market research to figure out how much work there is for you in that area, in your area? Oh, I have no fucking idea. Me either. Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Hey, do I have any, do I have any friends in the Facebook land that need dump trucks fixed? Yeah. All right. Bring them over. I'll fix them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I've never done that. I know who you should ask that. TMR, they market research and sell stuff everywhere. <laughs> hey, yeah. Tim, we have a question for you. Actually, yeah, that'd be a good idea. He probably does it, I would guess. I'd be surprised anyone if he didn't. Anyone that's like a production place would probably have to do market research. Mm-hmm. High, high sales volumes. Yeah. But, but yeah, so that was it for... What he had for questions. 
they hammered through those pretty quick. Yeah. So I think a lot of it you you gotta follow your gut. Like and it, all those questions are similar, like it's like you're questioning yourself in which way you want to go. Do you go left or do you go right? It's the same thing. If buying brand new feels right because the used tools, you can't have downtime. Let's say he's a really lean manufacturing and when a good job comes in, it's got to go right back out. Well, if your welder breaks every week, you need a new one. But if you're the type of guy that's not rushed and you can get a used one, like you can, you know, I'm not sure what the the whole lifestyle is like and the business plan and, everyone will be a little different. You know what I mean? Yeah. But also educating your customers and like working with customers that want to work with you. Like I, I always tell my customers like, you know, it's going to take minimum two weeks. So one week to get material in and then one week to yeah. get it punched out the door. And yeah. 99 times out of a hundred, they're like, yeah, that works. That works. Or it, or they'll be like, well, why, why is it two weeks? And it's like, okay, well yeah. I need to finalize the material list i need to order it if they don't have it in they have to pull it in from vancouver which usually adds another week onto it but you know if they have to outsource it one thing and the other and then it gives you time to adjust on your end whether or not you want to sit there and like you can wait the, that extra time for material to come in yada 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 and like i said 99 times out of 100 they're like cool awesome thank you for keeping me in the yeah. loop yeah 99% of the time they come into that with no expectation. So if you say two weeks, they're like, yeah, that's, I guess that's what it takes. Yeah. For yeah. sure. I, I agree with that. Yeah. But all right, cool. Well, that's all the, all the questions you had. What do you got going on? Uh, going out the shop? I see you've been, you, you had your trailer loaded there for a little while. Yeah. So uh, my new job, I've, I've got no time with customers builds still left in the shop and I got to get buttoned up first time in my life of being on this planet in 30 years. I've taken my own vehicle somewhere to get custom work done. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the buggy to get wired up. Uh, the best guy in Canada by far, I I'm going to say uh, a good buddy of mine in diagnostics and electronics on vehicles. The dude blows me away every day and he's the only one I would trust doing the job. So I dropped off with all the, all the parts and said, give me a bill, put the wires in the car and do it. However you would do it. You would do it if it was yours, because I have 100% faith in you and I won't question anything. And he's just killing it, rocking it out, sending me photos and I couldn't be happier. It'll, it'll get the car ready in time. I I'm just running out of time. Spring's coming and I got, other priorities that I told people I would do. So nice. I owe them. Is he doing this? Is this his side? Like is his job? His or is this just? No, no. Okay. Just this is. He just does this for for fun for friends on the side. He's just always been into building custom custom cars and custom stuff. But he used to work at a couple performance shops out west for a few years. He learned a lot there and just building his own stuff. Nice. He's, he's, he's awesome. He's all around. He's like what you, a real mechanic. Like he doesn't just change parts. He's, he diagnoses the shit out of stuff and he's meticulously OCD. And I like that. Thank God. Thank God. There's still people <laughs> like that in the world. <laughs> yeah. 
But he killed it. He wired the whole car today. He's out it for a day. Really? Blown away. I'm blown away. I thought it was going to be two weeks. He's like, all I got to do is hook up some grounds tomorrow and then just make sure everything's right, meter it all, ping it, and it's ready. I'm like, holy fuck, dude. Like, I don't know how I, – I don't have anything that I can offer to say how grateful I am towards him. It, it, money won't do it. A gift won't do it. it it's awesome. Wow, that's that's okay. So, okay, I, I, I'm not calling bullshit, but for for I, I find that a little hard to believe because, like, how the hell can you do that? Now, this is coming from somebody who is absolutely terrified of doing electrical because with my luck, I <laughs> I burn it to the fucking ground. So when I do anything, like, it takes me like two hours to put in like a ten uh, one ten plug in the shop. I'm that scared. <laughs> like I quadruple check everything. So, did did he ha- did so, you give him a harness to work from, or is it this all just from scratch? No, it, it's a there's a harness to work from. So oh, okay, all right. The car the car is it's as simple as a car can be, and that's why this. And I I actually made it more complicated by doing what I want, but he agreed that what I wanted was right because it's how the car used to be. The car was wired last year the way I wanted it, but it was really hack and I don't like hack, but it got the car running. So there was relays all over the firewall and extra cables that we just rolled in a loop and taped up. And like, it was all there and it all worked as designed, but I want it to be clean and perfect. So this year was to fix it. So the way the car runs is it's a standalone engine harness and we're not wiring that. That's fine. The harness is good, but I use the ECU for the engine to run everything my ecu commands my fuel pump and it also commands the all the cooling fans so the way the p59 works is it's a ground signal so every relay goes in this big junction box now and they're all normally open trigger grounds so he ran all those wires from the pcm he knew which wires they were coming out of the pcm to trigger it um so there's a bit of changing to the engine harness. And then from that big block, he ran the harnesses to the fans and to the fuel pump and stuff. But that's the whole car. There's only four circuits, but it has to be done very tidy and simple. I don't want any buttons. I have one button. There's just the ignition. Just turn the master button on. The computer does everything for me. I don't have to monitor anything. There's a high and a low temp for the fans fuel pump and pressure is all on the computer. So it's really, really simple. And the transmission's a turbo 400 with no computer at all, but you could run a 4L80 on this computer as well and control all the shifting all on this one little box. So I prefer to use the box where a lot of other guys would run 12 volt signals through these blocks and every circuit would be off a switch. And the switch, when you flick it, would supply the 12 volts where I have it that the computer supplies grounds because that's how the Chevy is programmed. That would be a pain. It worked out really good. Yeah, that that sounds like that would be a pain <laughs> in the fucking ass if you're sitting there, especially if you're like in your application where you're racing and you're like, oh, I need a fan. I need this fan on. Turn the switch on. Oh, I need this fan off. Turn that. Like, I don't know. That's how a lot of guys do it, man. Why? That's how a lot of race cars are. There's two fan switches, two fuel pump switches. Everything's on independent circuits with their own relays. And mine is still, but it's not commanded by me. It's commanded by the computer. It's 
I basically built the car as though it was a daily driver pickup truck. If you get in a truck, when you turn the key, the fuel pump comes on, the electric fans come on. Well, they won't start spinning, but they'll have power. And once they read the engine temp, then the fan, fans come on. Mm-hmm. And then you don't have to run an inline temp sensor and a probe and tell it off. Oh, it's just, it goes on and on and on. It's, it's very, very simple once you wire it up. And then there's just one button. Yeah. I know I'm, uh, like I said, when I brought those axles in, I'm actually starting to get plans in motion to actually start getting fucking bluebell rolling and out the door. Um, yeah. I don't actually, I don't even, you, you, you do know what I'm talking about when I say bluebell, right? It's that, wasn't that big old truck? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It's the 51, uh, F4, F4 pickup truck that I have. It used to be a, uh, yeah, it was in your old shop for yeah, a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually going to get that going and I'm essentially just going to in the back end. So so the donor the truck that I was going to use as a donor truck which got brought online because the wife's car died and I was going to use as the company truck while she drives my truck. Like we mentioned okay. like I mentioned during the week there um I brought it into the local auto shop there just to say, "Hey, you know, can you run through and make sure everything's good to go?" And he gave me a list of parts in that where it's just like, yeah, no, this isn't worth it because the truck, the truck's essentially fa- falling apart and it's not worth it. So she's gonna, she's gonna drive my black truck, and I'm gonna oh, drive okay. my old '86 F250, and just nice. go from there. So anyway, the white that white Chevy is back to being a parts truck because I could fix everything that's wrong with it, but I have to tear it apart anyway. And if I'm tearing it apart anyway. I may as well build what the fuck I want. So I'm going to take <laughs> <laughs> my, my plan is, is I'm going to take the, um, the, uh, the LS out of that, put it into Bluebell. Uh, I want to run like minimum like 37s or 38s. So yeah. Dana 60 up front, Sterling 10 and a quarter in the rear. Um, both because I, I already have them. They're free parts and then Sweet. go from there. But I want to, I want to set that truck up. So it's like, just bare bones where i turn the ignition on i have gauges that tell me everything but the only other switches that are in there are for like the radio and the climate control and that's it yeah so yeah that's the way to do it man keep it simple oh yeah yep i I like it that way and then slowly get to the point where i can like bring it down to hammers ideally next year but that's sweet that'll be cool I'd like to go there too. I don't. I don't know when, but I will. <laughs> as long It'll as be fun. as long as you don't plan your wedding within a week before or after hammers, you're good. However, now that I yeah. say that, I wouldn't be surprised if your wife went. Let's get married at hammers. <laughs> How cool would that be? <laughs> <laughs> that would be in the race car. That would be fucking awesome. Like main stage in front of everybody. That'd be awesome. Get like Ian Johnson, like presiding over it or something like that. That'd be so funny. (laughs) You you should pitch that to her just to see what happens. No, because she might say yes. (laughs) What would be wrong with that? I don't know. That'd be crazy. That'd be a huge party. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) It'd be, compared to other weddings, it'd be relatively cheap, too. Yeah, I guess. And I mean, 
anybody who doesn't want to come, they don't have to come or they can just go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. All I'm seeing is a win, 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 win situation here. You make a good point. <laughs> yeah. But cool. All right. Well, yeah. that's where we are. And I think we covered everything. And that's where we're going to put a pin in it today, guys. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at the Veteran Welding Podcast. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Cheers. Have a good one.